Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Assistant Pastor Tim Rogers. All right, so our first set of scriptures, Psalms 38, 13 and 14. I'm going to go ahead and start reading. So verse 13 says, But I, like a deaf man, do not hear, and I am like a mute who does not open his mouth. Thus I am a man who does not hear, and in whose mouth is no response. All right, so as we think about this, I will definitely be touching on this scripture again a little bit later, but just to kind of give you an idea here is is that if God is making a sound from heaven and there's no response, then we're acting or in a mode of having a mute tongue, all right? So we don't have a response in our mouth. So is it because we're not saying anything or is it because we're not hearing anything? Okay, so that's, that's, that's the question, okay? All right, so let's turn over to Luke. All right, so I'm going to read, start reading at verse 30. Um, and he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village that's opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a cult tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus, you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So that so those who he sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the cult, the owner of it said to them, why are you loosing the cult? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus. And they threw their own clothes on the cult and they sat Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he now drawing near the center of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to, to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is he, the king, who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if they should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Amen, amen. The stones would immediately cry out. All right, so that, that's kind of our foundation. So as we think about this, Jesus is going in to Jerusalem on the cult. And uh, the people, it says, the Bible says that the people looked at the multitude and all of the glory that was following him. And they thought about all of the great works that he had done. And they couldn't help but praise him. Mm. They couldn't help but to praise him. So that's letting you know what the tone of the scripture is. Is that that glory that was upon our Lord, even on that cult. It's still indicative of a sound from heaven, right? Because the sound from heaven is spiritually. doesn't necessarily mean an audible sound, right? Because Apostle has been talking about the move of the Holy Spirit, right? All right. 
So one of the things that I want you to start thinking about here is, is your responses. Your responses. Right? So one of the things that really kind of gets under my skin sometimes, so you know how I am, I like to be honest with you, is when you ask a question and you don't get the response to that question that you were looking for. Right? No matter how simple the question may be, it could be just as simple as, what color is the grass? If someone were to look at you and you can clearly see that that grass is green, but they say it's blue, that's not really the response you're looking for, right? But most of the time, our conversations are a little bit more robust than that, right? So that was just a simple example. But when we start thinking about this is, is that a, most, a large proportion of our discussions are based on the responses we give, right? not very good to talk to yourself. I mean, I know there may be some people <laughs> that do that, right? They talk out loud, right? But normally there's a dialogue, right? Dialogue takes two people. So as a question or a thought goes forth, there's a response that should be coming back, right? So no matter what the situation is, so this is in when we're mad about something, when something doesn't go right on the job, when the boss is ticking you off. These are all examples and opportunities where we can have a response. The question is, is that what is that response saying about us? Right? So this is a little bit of a self-assessment, right? Because I'm not necessarily saying that you should always care what people think. But there are some times where you might, that might be necessary. Right? If I roll up on my boss and he asks me, why didn't I do this project? And I just say, because I didn't want to, that, that was not the right response. <laughs> no matter how much I wanted to say that, right, potentially, right, that is the wrong opportunity to give that response, right? So we need to be very careful about the responses that we give. Responses can dictate where we go. Uh, responses can dictate the influence that we have on others. Uh, our responses can dictate the characteristic that someone else sees us in. Mm -hmm. Right? Because if we get the wrong response or we have the wrong characteristic, no matter where we are, someone may think wrongly of that. Right? Right? So I'm, I'm just laying the groundwork right now. Right? So we're, we're thinking about this, those responses. I know as a parent, oh, gosh. Oh, when I ask my child a question, and the response I hate the most is, I don't know. So you did it, and you have no clear idea why you did it. That, that's not a good response, right? Now, the underlying thing is that they know why they did it. They just don't want to tell you why they did whatever they did, right? Right? So it's a way to try to cover it up, right? But one of those things is, is that when we don't get the correct response, then we might end up forfeiting something that we don't think we should be forfeiting. Right? Right? So we could inadvertently be hurting ourselves <laughs> if we 
give the wrong response. Right? Our responses can be derogatory. Our responses can be uplifting. Our, spons- our responses can be positive and negative. Our responses can be neutral. They can be a middle ground. Right? Depending on the situation. So one of the things that, you know, I've always seen is, is that when you have the opportunity to speak, we have to make sure that we're saying the right things. For those that know me pretty well, I'm a big sports fan. Uh, we ain't going to mention no teams right now. Just let's leave that alone. Okay. All right. And uh, one of the things that they do a lot is, and then the post game, right, they usually interview the guy that made the, the winning score or the most popular guy on the team or whatever the case may be, um, collegiately or professionally. And one of the things that really irks me sometimes is, is that they get these people on TV and they can't talk. Now, this guy, no, everybody, he, even if he wasn't known before now, everybody knows him now. He's on national TV with his name on his jersey, and the interviewer asks him one simple question, and he can't articulate what he feels. It's not a good response. You get a lot of that, right? <laughs> I just felt that way because it was just the way it was supposed to go. Well, what is that saying? Right? So now the question is, is that what kind of responses is God looking for? All right? So now, when we think about this, like I said, Apostle's been talking about a sound from heaven. If we have a sound from heaven then we need to be thinking about the responses that we're going to give to God. We ought to be meditating on the fact of that it just seems natural to give. If you hear something, that you say something. Pretty simple, right? So when we think about this, the response goes with the sound. (laughs) It's kind of like the cause and effect from the science, right? You have the cause, and then you have the effect, right? So the sound is the cause. The effect should be we have a response to God. Right? They just go together, just just naturally. Right? It's like peanut butter and jelly. Right? Surf and turf, right? They go together. Right? It's, right? Now, I'm going I'm to say something. Now, y'all don't judge me, right? Now, y'all, anybody seen Friday? All right, there's a scene in that movie where an individual is asking somebody, you don't ever have two things that go together. You got ham, no burger. Kool-Aid, no sugar. Right? Cereal, no milk. It just doesn't make, right? This doesn't doesn't do you any good, right? Right? So, I believe that it doesn't do us any good for God to continue to make a sound and speak from heaven to us 
and we're not giving him the appropriate responses. And he's nudging us on, and he has been. He's like, son, daughter, I need you to respond. I need you to, I need you to act upon what I said. Is it motivating you? Is it getting you anywhere? Right? What are we doing when we hear something from God? Right? There are great responses in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. I'm going to just go through a couple of them. Y'all want to hear? All right. So at creation, God said, bring forth to the earth. And the response was plants and animals were created. God spoke to Noah. The response from Noah was, I will build your ark. And because of that, eight souls were saved from destruction. Want another one? Joseph. The sound was, I'm going to show you a dream. The response was, I'm going to believe you, Lord, no matter how long it takes. And in that response, he was second in command to the greatest nation at that time. Moses. God appeared to him in a burning bush. His response initiated that a whole nation was freed from bondage. Y'all getting a picture here? All right, all right. Job, his servant, God tested him. That was the sound. Job's response was, it doesn't matter what I go through, Lord. I will never curse you. And because of that, that response included double what he had when he started. A sound and a response. The most powerful one, the Lamb of God, was slain before the foundation of the world. That was the sound. The response was Jesus came in flesh and died for our sins so that we could be reconciled to the Father. A sound and a response. All of these events happened because the person responded to the sound. If there was no response, God was going to move on. Now, wouldn't it be a shame if God had something so great for you and he kept speaking to you? He kept nudging you. He kept tapping you on the shoulder. He kept whispering in your ear, and you never responded. You just forfeited whatever he had for you. So I believe that our responses are important. Right. So as we move forward, I'm going to talk about three different responses we should give to God. Okay. All right. Three responses God is looking for from the earth. All right. So we're going to get a lot of scripture this morning. because I want to hit this home for how important it is that we give the right responses. 
So just something to think about before we jump into this a little bit. Is our response provoking the change we need in our lives? Is our response aligning us with the will of God? Is our response challenging us to go to greater levels with the Lord? These are all questions, just a very small subset of the things that we could be asking as God is speaking to us. Because he's speaking to us all individually and collectively as the body of Christ, right? So he's doing both. So some of this will be individual, but some of this will be in the kingdom as well. All right? All right. So a couple scriptures here. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Mm. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Therefore, by him, let us continue to offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. All right. So the first response God is looking for from the earth is a response of adoration. Response of adoration. All right. Now, when we think about this is, is that we have to understand that God has created us to praise him. That, that is one of our creation dictates. We should praise the Lord at all times. All right? We need to be looking for the opportunities to praise him. But here's the great thing. There's always a good time. The question is, is that are we turning our opportunities to praise him into our inopportunities because of how we feel? Right? I'm going to just go back to Joseph. I think he had an opportunity in his life when he was in that pit to not be praising God. Right? When he was in that prison, it would have been really easy not to praise God. When he was getting wrongly accused in Potiphar's house, that would have been a great opportunity not to praise God. But that wasn't what he did. It said that God was with him always. Hmm which means he had to have a level of worship and praise. He had to, right? So even in the midst of the things that we're going through, we always have an opportunity. There is nothing on this earth that should nullify our praise. Not one. Now, here's the great thing is, is that we get the opportunity to praise God, but we also get the opportunity to worship him, all right? So let me see if I can break this down a little bit. So when we praise God, we think of the thanksgiving, the things that he has done, right? That's even what the scripture said in Luke, right? They were praising God because of his great acts, right? So when we think about this, though, is, is that the more you praise, the more you should be thankful, right? Does that make sense, right? So if I say, God, I thank you for these clothes, oh, oh, God, I can thank you for these shoes, Oh, God, I can thank you for the car I have, right? It just continues because everything in our lives we can, we can praise him for. We, we can thank him for, right? So that's when we have to move into worship, right? Now, here, here's the key, though, about worship, though. 
in worship, though, we're going to have to die to ourselves, though. So that praise should build up to the point where we say, God, you know what? You're just too awesome. I can't even, I can't even thank you enough. Let, let's just go ahead. I just need to be in your presence, which then turns us into a mode of worship. In that worship, we have to say, God, it ain't about me. It's about you. I'm no longer living, but you are living through me, Christ. We, we have to have that tone because we can't get there and worship without it. It should propel us. Praise to worship. Which is the adoration that God is looking for. Right? As we think about this, how we get to be in the face, see the presence of the Lord. Hmm. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High should dwell, shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. What, what is that? What is the secret place? Your place of worship. You ain't getting there without it. Right? So what I'm saying to you, saints, is, is that we got to be really engaged with God. And the great thing is that we all worship differently. It doesn't have to look the same. That's not what I'm talking about. But we do have to have an attitude of humility. We have to have an attitude that we don't know it all. We have to have an attitude of desperation that we don't know what we're doing, God. We do have to have an attitude that we're willing to die. God, show me what it is so I can get rid of it. Because I got to worship you. Because you're too good to me. That is our response back to God. What an awesome response we get to we get to have. Right? Because the Bible says they let everything to have breath praise the Lord, right? Right? It's those in the relationship that get to worship. That's that's a sweet thing. It's all some it's something that we all need to cherish more. We need it. Because it's in worship where our heart changes. Is when you don't know what to do. But you say, God, I'm going to give you glory anyway. And then he's able to touch you in that place, whatever yours may be. I know for me recently, it was... uh, trying to pray for those that had done me wrong. Right? Right? Now, my intent was good. I'll be honest with you. My intent was good, but there was no feeling behind it. It was, it was, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right? But as I continued to go, and I did it every day, I said, God, I, I thank you. Keep their family, bless them. I don't know what they're going through. Don't need to know what they're going through. Whatever their need is, just meet it. And that continued, that continued, that continued. Until one day, my heart was right, finally. Because of what he had done. Not because of what I had done. And then I was able to weep for them. I thought I was going crazy. I said, well, what I'm crying for these folk for? 
right? Right? Y'all, y'all ain't gonna stone me if I be honest, right? All right. So I'm being honest. That was my first thought. What the heck is wrong with me? And the next day, I prayed for him again, and I weep. And then the Holy Ghost finally said, because your heart has changed. See, this is what I'm talking about when I say you should pray for your enemies. This is what I'm looking for. The right response. Right? Because in the Beatitudes, when Jesus was talking about that, he said, you had heard that it has been said. Right? So basically what he's saying to them is, is that I know you heard somebody tell you, that you shouldn't care for your enemies, but I'm telling you that's not the right way to go. So he had to change what they heard. And then now it's their responsibility to respond with the right action. Adoration. All right? All right, let's read some more scriptures here. Most of these you guys are going to know, but it's all right. We're going to read them anyway. All right, next set of scriptures. Faith come by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Now, very simple scripture. Almost all of us know that one. But you do realize that it has a sound and a response in it. Right? Faith come by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So you hear first because your faith has to come through the word. That's the sound. Your response should be faith. So when the word comes, your response should be faith. All right? It still works. Hmm. Having been born, been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm -hmm. All right. So the second response that God is looking for is a response of confirmation. A response of confirmation, right? So, so confirmation, when you, when you think about that, it's the process of supporting a statement by evidence. The process of supporting a statement by evidence. Okay. So, the most powerful way that we can confirm a word that we have heard is to actively speak it and live it out. That's our confirmation that we heard it. All right? You heard that old adage, it goes in one ear and out the other, right? Well, why do people say that? They say it because it's just like the person never heard it. Why? Because there was no action behind what they heard. Right? So our confirmation is, is that we need to act upon what we heard. More importantly, we need to give the word back to God. All right, so I'm going to try to explain this. There's no science teachers in here? No science teachers. Okay, good. Got a math teacher. No science. All right, so I don't want no science teachers to get me. All right, so I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. I'm going to go old school here. In science, I think between third and fifth grade, somewhere around in there, we learned something about the environment. We learned about how water circulates, right? Anybody remember what that's called? 
Water cycle. There you go, boy. Y'all remember? Y'all remember? All right. So that water cycle, what is that? So water starts. Let's just start at the top here. So we have that par precipitation, right? What? And then we have the drainage. Or they might have changed the wording a little bit, but drainage into streams and rivers and oceans and stuff, right? And then from there, we have evaporation. Those are the big three, all right? That's not all of it, but that's the big three that you need for that circulation of water to happen. So what I want y'all guys to think about is, is that I want y'all to think about the word cycle. Right? Because I truly believe that that's a natural example of a spiritual reality of what needs to happen in the church. Right? So God speaks a seed out from heaven. Right? That seed should then be consumed in our hearts. Once it is consumed, it can then bear fruit that what can be seen by others, but from there, because we get to see the fruit too, right? When we see the fruit, we speak back to God that word. So if I say you're going to receive your healing, right, that's the seed from heaven. It is then our responsibility to have our hearts right so that our hearts receive that word, and out of that word comes the fruit. The fruit is you are healed. Once you, when you receive that, then you praise and you say, God, your word is true. Right? So that word went from God down to our hearts, established itself in our hearts, and then came out of our mouth. That's the word cycle. We need to have more of that. We need to be looking for opportunities to speak God's word. In the areas that we need to speak it. And here's the great thing. Anything that God has delivered you from or done for you, you can speak to. It's true for you. Right? One of the things that I, I wanted to experience was God's healing. I remember now, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm going to say this, but I ain't going to tell anybody else to do this. This was my conviction. I got sick, and I decided not to take no medicine. Right? Because I said, God, your word says that you're a healer. I need to know it. I know what it says. I know what other people have said. But I want to experience it. I need to know for myself that you will heal me. Now, it didn't happen overnight. But I was determined. I never wavered in it. People looking at, oh, what's wrong with you? No, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'll make it. <laughs> I was looking pretty rough, though. But God did because he honored what I did because I trusted him enough with it. Can we get to that, saints? Really? Now, it doesn't have to be healing. It can be whatever. But don't you want to know without a shadow of a doubt that what God says is for you is for you? Don't you want to know that? Like I said, it's great to see the testimonies. I know we overcome by the blood of the land and the word of our testimonies. I know that. It should encourage us. But it's even more encouragement when it happens for you. 
You don't need to be hyped up for that. You know. God, you healed me. God, you delivered me. God, you saw me through that situation. The word. It starts with that. We've got to get that word in our hearts. We've got to look for that opportunity for the word to rain down on us. <laughs> now, as I was thinking about this, this day, I used to be part of a, a youth choir. Shh, shh. Don't, don't say that. Don't laugh too loud. <laughs> Notice I said choir, right? So that means there's a whole lot of other folks drowning me out. All right. But I was part of this youth choir, and one of the songs we sung was Melodies from Heaven. Anybody know that song? Right? So when I was thinking about this, this that's what came to me. God says, I'm raining down word. I'm raining down my melodies. And we should be, and no, no, I'm not going to sing it. Don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> I told you I had a choir. All right? But we should be having the same attitude. Rain down on me, God. Fill me up. Because as we do that, we should be able to proclaim his word back to him. That we become a part of Isaiah 55. The word doesn't come back to him void because of what we do. He, but here's the thing, though. If we, we stagger too long, God will just have that word go to somebody else. We should be that word. That's what we should be saying to ourselves. God, I know that word ain't coming back to you, Lord, because I'm going to operate in it. I'm going to step out in faith and operate in that word. Yeah. So our second response should be a response of confirmation. All right. Last one. Last one. All right, more scripture, more scripture. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All right, very, very familiar. All right. All right. Daughter, your faith has made you well. That's what he said to the woman with an issue of blood. Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. That's what he said to the leper that came back to praise him. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. But yet again, and a difference to blind Bartimaeus. All right? So our last response to God should be a response of participation. All right? So... The key here is, is that we can't operate in God's plan or God's will for our lives without faith. That's how we participate. So if we are trying to participate in what God is doing without faith, we were not participating. So participation means that we're actively involved in what's going on in the body. Participation. All right. All right. 
If we are unwilling to walk in faith, we may inadvertently forfeit what God has for us at the time. Because God is saying, I'm giving you an opportunity to be a part of what I'm doing. All you have to do is step out in faith. But if we're unwilling to do that, then we are inadvertently forfeiting whatever that is. That includes whatever blessing comes with it. Right? So James did it, said it real good. Two scriptures in James, right? Faith without works is, all right. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. That's actually the last piece of that scripture, which most people don't even say most of the time. Because basically James is saying that if you are a hearer of the word and you're not doing it, you're not accomplishing anything. The only person that you're deceiving is yourself. So there needs to be some preceding action from us in faith that allows us to be a participant in what God is doing. Apostle says it this way, you can't get the ring if you're not in the game. Right? There, there is no, no reward for those that sit on the sidelines. The people in the stands cheering don't get a ring with all those diamonds in it. They don't get one of those. Whether the team thinks they're supporting them or not, that, that's not it. They're not part of the team. So the question I have for you is, is that are we going to be willing to be part of the team? Are we willing to participate in what God is doing? Are we willing to hear God and then respond to him in the appropriate way? Do we have that? So the great thing is, is that I believe Apostle is going to talk about this some more. I don't know for sure, but I think he is. What he was talking about. When I said what I was going to, hopefully, the Lord allowed me to teach on. I think we're going to hear more of it which we need. We've got too many lame ducks in the church. I didn't say y'all were. I said we got too many lame ducks. People that see all of these great things happening but always find something to criticize. Right? So now I can go full-fledged all the way back around to Luke. When they talked about when he was riding in and they were praising him, the Pharisees said to him, well, can't you just shut them up? Why, why are they doing all of that? Right? The sad thing is, is that that's happening in churches every day. People are in worship and you got other people looking around. Well, why they, can't you shut them up? Why, why, why are they so loud? Why are they still praising God? Why are they crying like that? Finding a reason to complain about what they're seeing instead of just actively engaging. Right? Because the Pharisees were in the crowd. That's what the word says. They were there. All they had to do was allow their heart to be softened and they could have went right in with them. Instead, they decided to say, well, can you just keep them quiet, Jesus? And Jesus said, if they be quiet, then the rocks are going to cry out. I know we say it, we, 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 we quote that scripture, I've heard it, 
where people will say, I don't want any rocks crying out for me. But is that really true? Can we get to the point where we're participating with God? His glory is here. His forgiveness is here. His mercy is here. His healing is here. His forgiveness is here. All we have to do is engage. Engage with the right response. Amen. Hallelujah. So, as I close, we're going to close. I just want you guys to think about this a little bit. I want you to think about the conversations that you have every day. And I would say probably 90% of the time, there is at least some thought given before you say something. All right. Well, I want you to think about what response you are personally giving to God. Are you giving him a response of adoration? Are you giving him a response of confirmation? Are you giving him a response of participation? And if you don't know, then I implore you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Because he will. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.